one day. I'm going where Jesus lives. Oh, one day. One day. I'm going where Jesus lives. I'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Oh, I'll be caught up to meet him. I'll be caught up. Oh, what joy will be mine when we meet. Tell the story. I'll be caught up to meet him in. Oh, yes, I'll be caught up. I will be caught up to meet Oh, what joy will be mine when we meet. Tell the story. I'll be caught up to meet him in the air. All right. Praise the Lord, everybody. We do honor the Lord Jesus first and foremost. We honor Elder Scudder and to all of the saints, Mother Johnson, to Mother Scudder, and to all of our friends. We're definitely grateful and glad the Lord brought us together once again just to be with the saints. Now, my task today is to teach a Bible lesson on uh, the rapture. And as soon as the slides come up, I'll be ready to get started. PDF, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I do have, co I did send the file to be copied. I don't know if they copied them yet, but if you need a hard copy, um, they will be available to you as well. While uh, they're getting the slides up, if you can go over to 1 John chapter number um, 3. 1 John chapter number 3 and verse number 1. That'll really be the basis of our uh, lesson on today. And we have a collaborative um, Bible study. When I say a collaborative Bible study, if you have a comment or a question, um, there's a cordless mic for you to use so that the sound system can pick it up. Just use that as your hand. So if you know you're going to, we want to make a comment, make sure you get the mic first and then make your comment, okay? Uh, just be mindful of your comment and the length. Uh, that way we can get through the information in a timely manner. All right? So um, while they're getting that together, when you think of the concept of rapture, rapture is really the hope of the righteous. That's not something that is given to everybody. Um, it's offered, just like salvation is offered to everyone, but a person has to be willing to uh, receive salvation in order to experience that benefit. Um, that's the final stage of uh, deliverance that Jesus offers to humanity. Uh, you know, salvation comes into three tenses, uh, justification, sanctification, and the last is glorification. Um, glorification is when Jesus changes our vile bodies into his glorious body. And that's the goal of the righteous, to make sure that we go through all the way and to experience the rapture. Now, the rapture, just because you're in the rapture doesn't mean that you're going to get a crown. Uh, crowns are the rewards for the righteous. They're the rewards of the righteous. But the righteous, anybody that has been justified um, by the time Jesus comes, and stays in that state, they will participate in the rapture. And that's why we say uh, the rapture is the hope or the expectation of the righteous. Now, we have um, this, the next slide. I guess you're going to be, all right, thank you. The next one, everybody can get one of those scriptures there, and we'll read um, each one of those scriptures. The first one, 1 John chapter number 3, verses number 1 and 2. That's one of your verses to remember. So you really should be able to quote that, right? 
No. All right. Behold what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Right? Right. Yes. That's the hope of the righteous. That's the hope of the righteous. Um, even though, as a, a portion of that scripture says, uh, right now when we look at ourselves in the mirror, uh, we are so caught in what our present state is. But our hope or our expectation is to be changed to be just like Jesus. Jesus overcame death, and that is our goal, is to overcome death. And let's look at the next uh, set of scriptures. St. John. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? This is the hope. See, each one of these scriptures are going to remind those that have been justified, what is your hope? Um, we, we, saints, we can never just be satisfied being saved today, especially if the rapture doesn't happen today. We have to keep, there has to be an appetite, there has to be a desire to keep pushing forward no matter what comes so that our hope can be fulfilled. As long as we are in this body, uh, we are always, um, as, as the scripture describes us, as being sheep counted for the slaughter. A lot of times people will say, well, why does the enemy attack me the way that he does? You have to remember, how does Satan perceive you? How does he look at you? He looks at you as a sheep to be slaughtered. So it is up to us, the righteous, to make sure that we stay close to our protector. Our protector is Jesus. We cannot do this or this battle or sustain this war by ourselves. Hence, that's why Jesus gives us the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is our keeper or our sustainer. Uh, the Holy Ghost comes in us. When it initially comes in, it brings that joy, that peace, uh, that 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 that. Just excitement about Jesus. Well, you, th you think about it. You say, well, we'll let time come upon you and the trials and tests of life. When life hits after you receive the Holy Ghost, you should start feeling life trying to pull that experience away from you. It tries to pull joy away from you. It tries to pull the sense of peace away from you. And this is why you have your prayer. This is why you have your fasting to make sure that you keep that motivation and that zeal built up. You, you can always tell when, when a saint has become depleted of that resource because they begin to behave like they did before they were born again. You say, well, I have the Holy Ghost. I have Jesus living down inside of me. Why am I struggling to do what I used to do? Well, you haven't tapped into those resources. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's no difference than when you stop drinking water or you stop eating food. How strong does your body feel? You know, your body begins to get weak. Um, it begins to, uh, you know, you're not able to be as vibrant. Um, and aware as you normally are once you've had a good meal. What's the saying? If that happens to us naturally, the same thing happens to us spiritually. If we, if we don't do what Jesus says for us to do in order to maintain spiritual life, our, our, our spiritually we become depleted. And we begin to, we begin to uh, depend on what the scripture describes to us is our flesh. And the scriptures constantly remind us concerning our flesh that our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. The weakness of the flesh. Um, these are the things that you say, if you're not making sure that you build up Jesus inside of you, that flesh will dominate. And you'll begin to revert to uh, thoughts like, I can't, I shouldn't, I would, but I don't feel like it. Well, in Jesus, we shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be that way, especially when it comes down to doing things that allow us to get closer to Jesus. All right. And that was what, what scripture was that? That was St. John 11. All right. What is the? Thank you. All right. What is that one? I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. All right. sorrow not, even as others, 
which have no hope. All right. And we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. See, that's, that's the, the hope. That's the expectation. The, the goal is that Jesus is letting you see, don't get so caught up in just being saved for today. Your salvation, the, the true value of your salvation is what you will experience once you stop breathing in this physical body. The devil knows this. Satan knows the true value of your salvation is not what you're doing now. The true value of your salvation is being able to get out of this body and get into a glorified body. And if he can prevent that from happening, he's won the war. He's completed the objective. A lot of times you, you may have heard uh, Bishop say this. You ever notice uh, when people join or join the church, you never hear Bishop say, make little comments like, now the battle has really started. Never made the comment when a person joined. He always made that comment once a person received the Holy Ghost. Once they received the Holy Ghost, because they're so caught up in the joy and the happiness and the peace and the excitement. Uh, you really, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you get up from the altar without a care in the world. We always make that same comment. Everybody's guilty of that. Oh, the Lord can come right now and take me. Yep. You know, yep. and that would be true. If, if, if ever there was a time to die, that would be it. If I died received the Holy Ghost, if the Lord stopped me from breathing then, I would have been a happy soul. But the reality is that's not how it works. He's saying that's not why I saved you. I saved you for you to be a witness in the earth, for you to go out there and spread the gospel. Um, so it, it is a challenge. It, it is a, a, a challenge that, is a, a, that we have to deal with. And again, the thing that keeps us motivated while we are contending with this challenge is our hope, yeah. is our expectation. You cannot let life nor people that do not know anything about Jesus change your mind. You remember, this is something that has been revealed to you because you are saved. You don't go to school to learn this hope. You can't, this is not like a wives tale that is passed down, you can get from your grandmother and things, things like that. that doesn't, that's not how you get this hope. This hope comes completely with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. When you receive the Holy Ghost, the Lord establishes something inside of you that he has not revealed to anybody else. That's the mystery that is in your body. The mystery that is in your body. What mystery? Jesus is God, yes. That's, that part is beautiful because you can't get saved until you get that. But, but the true mystery is what you shall be. Not what you are right now, but what you shall be. That's your hope. That's your expectation. All right? Um, who has the next one? 1 Corinthians 15, 49 through 53. Remember, we're just pulling out the expectations. Yes. And as we have borne the image of the earthly. Uh, right. Now, that's us. See, this is you. Touch yourself. Touch your hands. This is what you bore. The image of the what? You've got the earthly already. Right? You don't have to try to be it. It's already here. Right? Now, the writer is saying just as much as a fact, as a reality, that you've borne this. What else will happen? Say that there's another experience for you. You just like you're functioning in this, you're gonna move from out of this and function in something that is called a heavenly body. Keep going. Stop. All right, this is not going back with Jesus. Everybody understand that? Get this out of your mind that when you go back with Jesus, you're going to look like this. This is not going back with Jesus. Everything you know about this is not what is going back with Jesus. Remember, you've borne this image. Just like you've borne this image, you're going to get out of this body and get into another body. 
And in that other body, that's when you will be able to stand in the presence of Jesus Christ. You cannot stand in his presence in this. This can't contain the presence of the almighty God. In order for you to be able to stand in his presence, he's got to get you out of this and put you in a heavenly body. All right. Keep going. It says neither doth corruption err incorruption. Right. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, a lot of times when people look at that scripture, they only think about the saints. But that's not true. Notice the wording that is there. He said the mystery is that we shall all be changed. We're all going to be changed. In the what? The moment? In the twinkling of an eye. All right, keep going. And it says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised in corruption. Right. And we shall be changed. All right. Is that the, is that the end of 53? 53. One more verse. All right. This incorruptible must put on this, Now, this is the everybody that breathes on this earth falls into this scripture. Everybody has to move from out of a body that is corruptible and put on a body that is what? That's the only way you can spend eternity somewhere. The only way you can spend eternity is you've got to get out of a, a temporary body and you've got to go into an, a, a body that can spend eternity somewhere. Now, if you go to hell, your body has to be able to sustain the pain of it without it being destroyed. Anybody understand that? You have to be able to sustain the torture and the pain of hell without that body being destroyed. Now, the same thing is true with the righteous. You have to be able to get in a body that can sustain the presence of Jesus without it being what? Destroyed. Now, where you spend eternity is up to you. Right. We're, we're, the choices that you make, as, as uh, Abraham reminded the rich man, uh, all of your lifetime, you had a choice. You, had a, the, the, you chose the path that you desired. You desired to find linen, the purple, and uh, to eat uh, some, you know, sumptuously. That was your preference. That was your choice. Now, with that choice, there came consequences. When he crossed over into eternity, where was he at? He was in torments. He said, my soul is being tormented in this flame. All right? Now, Lazarus on the other side was different. He was comforted. He was comforted. He was in Abraham's bosom being consoled. But he saw his condition was different from the rich man's condition. And the rich man saw that his condition was different from Lazarus. So there is an eternal state. There are different eternal states to spend. There's either one or the other. Either you're going to be in torment or you're going to be in paradise. It's either one or the other, right? Next verse. Three and four. Right. See, that's the hope. I have to be there uh, waiting for the appearing of Jesus. When Jesus appears, the scripture says, then, right? Then shall I do what? Then shall I also appear with him where? In glory. That's my hope. That's my expectation. Next verse. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. See, some people always ask, say, why do you all do what you're doing when you come to church? You all go to church so much. You're always talking about Jesus. You're always praising Jesus. Isn't there something else for us to do? No. Remember, what is the scripture saying? We're different from the world because we have something that the world doesn't have, a hope. Remember, if in this life only we have a hope, we are of all men most miserable. But our hope is not just in this life. Our hope is in the life to come. 
And it says, our conversation is in what? Saints should always be talking about that. Say, I just can't wait to go back with Jesus when he comes. You know, I'll be so glad when the Lord come and take us out of this world. We won't have to deal with this stuff anymore. I'm so excited about being able to see Jesus one day. That should always be on the mind of the saint. You know, um, when you begin to drift away from the hope, your conversation changes. Your conversation is no longer heavenly, but it becomes so full of what you're going through now. You know, I get nervous when I hear saying, well, you just don't understand what is going on in my life. No, your conversation needs to be in heaven. Your conversation needs to be focused on what you are going to be, not what you are right now. You, you, got, you think about everyone that got healing from Jesus in scripture. Their condition was in such a bad state before Jesus delivered them or changed them. Blind man, uh, woman with the issue of blood, uh, the people that were um, confined to cots, people that were confined to the road because they couldn't see. But you think about in each example, what motivated them to change? They, they saw Jesus as their hope. Blind Bartimaeus, people kept telling him what? Hold your peace. Hold your peace. Jesus is too busy. He's gone on. But the more they told him that Jesus had moved further, Scripture described him that he cried out the louder. He was determined that he was not going to let his hope go. And he cried out to Jesus. And it's the same way with us. I'm not telling you that you're not going to have challenges in this body. But you can't let this body dictate your conversation. Your conversation has got to stay heavenly. It's got to stay spiritual. It's got to stay on the future. People can always say, oh, but the old church, the old church. No, what are you talking about? Je when Jesus filled me with the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost is still in me. It, it hasn't gotten old. If Jesus got old, if Jesus gotten worn out, something is wrong with me. The joy is still the same. The peace is still the same. The experience is still the same. The message is still the same. And it's up to me to keep my hope built up. Remember, you are not my hope. Holy Ghost is my hope. It's up to me to keep my hope built up. He put the hope inside of me, not on the outside of me. This is why you say, why do we keep on tarrying, tarrying, tarrying? And we make sure we're very cautious about people receiving the Holy Ghost because that's so important. Because if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have that hope inside of you. Now you can go and get up from that altar, jump in saying, oh, I got it, I got it. But I'm trying to tell you, when you get back home, when you go back to work, when you go back to school, reality is going to hit you. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost inside of you, you are going to act like something that you don't have to act like. A person that has no hope. Elder Scott, did you say something? You just didn't No. Go ahead. Every time you come up for prayer and you express that, I want Jesus to touch my body. Right. That's expressing the hope. Right. Every time you get up and testify to the goodness of Jesus yeah. and what he's done for you and what he's doing for you, you're reiterating the hope. The hope. In it's in us. Yes, right. That's right. That's why it's so important for saints. Yep. We give you an opportunity to. Get up and testify. But sometimes you can't get the testifying going because people just, you know, they just kind of forget. Right. But you have to call to your remembrance yep. what Jesus has done, yes. what Jesus is doing, yes. and then you'll get up and be able to share, share it. That's right. That's right. In preaching, a lot of times I get up and I say, well, you know, I don't feel good when I come in, my legs hurt. And then once you get started, you don't even know the legs are even there. Anymore. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I think that this expression that comes from me, my grace is sufficient. Mm -hmm. I, I can't stop doing what Jesus gives me to do because of the pain yes. in my knees. 
That's right. That's right. So you don't give up the hope. Right. And we express that by coming. Some people can't come, but we come. I, I, my mind goes to Deacon Williams. I know that the enemy came at him as much, much as he could. He wanted them to give up hope. Yep. But Deacon Williams came when yep. he come. Yep. Yep. He stood up and, and, and did the testimony service when he could stand When he could. He yep. Get up in there. Yep. That's expressing the hope. I'm yep. not giving up on who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. That got him past the stage four cancer. Right. In insurance, they'll give you your life insurance value, half of it, because it, according to the world, you're dead. So they, at stage four, they will say they'll give you half of the value of your policy. Government will automatically approve you for disability without a lot of uh, red tape. When they see that in front of you, stage four, they will approve you right in the Social Security Administration's office. You know how people say, well, I had to go through this appeal, I had to go through that. When you got stage four, no, you come in the door uh, without disability, you walk out with it. Because in their mind, you don't have much longer to live. So we express that hope when we do that. When you do that, you don't Right. His whole idea is to steal, to kill, and That's destroy. right. That's right. He comes at your mind and tells you, oh no, Jesus is not going to do that for you. Or Jesus can't do that for you. But you know what Jesus is able to do because he's saved. Right. And his whole idea is to make you, un make you depressed about who Jesus is. That's right. Because you may not have heard from him in a long time, but you still know that the hope is there. That's right. And that's, that's our confidence. That's right. I, I think the Lord bring that up. Yes. And even, I was thinking about what Elder Scudder was saying, even if you don't get up and testify, say, praise the Lord, saints, um, that go through that formality, your song, to be honest, should be an extension of your testimony. Saints can feel it. When you sing a song that you're saying that the Lord did something for you, and, but you said, I just can't, I know, I know I'm not going to be able to just tell it, but I can sing it. The Lord has blessed someone to come up with the words, and I can express how I'm feeling through this song. Saints are feeling. It, it'll, it'll touch the saints' mind and it'll remind us of the hope. This is why we're here. This is why we're doing what we're doing. All right. Um, so these uh, here are our examples of the hope. Uh, examples Jesus. First of all, we know what happened to Jesus when he was on Calvary. What happened to him? He died, right? And then what did they do with Jesus' body after he died? They put him in a tomb. And then after three days, what happened to him in that tomb? He rose. He got up out the grave, right? Um, didn't, did he just, after he got up out the grave, did he go back into the heavens? No, scripture says that for 40 days he stayed with those that followed him, teaching them the things pertaining to the kingdom. And he did that to show them that there was life after death. Remember, what did he do on Calvary? He died. But then what did they do with the dead body? They put the dead body in the tomb. But then the dead body came back to life. And remember, what did he say? Because I live. So this is why, saints, we don't sorrow like the world sorrow. When we, when we go to, when we see saints that are laying up here in the casket, we don't go around and say, oh, no, 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 be trying to kiss on them. No. Don't kiss on them. Don't be pulling on them. No, 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 no. Because when they come back to life, they're not coming back to life in that body. They're not coming back to look like that. <laughs> we don't go running putting flowers or tombs no we don't sorrow like the world sorrows we realize first of all and we're going to get a little bit more than that I don't want to jump ahead into the lesson we'll get into that later on um, let's look at the next example would be Enoch now what the scripture says about Enoch is unique scripture describes Enoch as being here 
and then gone. And that's, that, that, that's similar to Elijah. I didn't put Elijah up there for some odd reason, but I just didn't put him there. But the same thing really happened to Elijah. Elijah was with Elisha, and then all of a sudden, Elijah got out of here. And Elisha saw how it was. He said it was like chariots of fire came down and swooped him up and took him up into the heavens. And he was seen no more. Same thing happened with John on the Isle of Patmos. John was on the Isle of Patmos. Patmos was like a, a form of punishment for criminals. They would send you to Patmos because they knew that you couldn't get off and they knew Patmos was full of dangers. Wild animals, you, you were just going to die when you got put on Patmos. And then John's mind is that was what he thought was going to happen to him. But then when he started communicating with Jesus, he realized he wasn't there for death. He was there for the revelation of Jesus. And part of that revelation was Jesus changed him. Jesus actually raptured John. Because if you, in part of the lesson, you're going to see that. But I want you to keep that in mind about John, about him being the example for the saint. Okay, next page. Because I had to keep moving my time. That time moved fast, saints. All right. Now, when you look at this, this is an example. Um, Mother Jones, you didn't see this one. Because this was, this was a last minute pop-in. Sorry about that. Um, it says, when will the rapture take place? You have to consider where we are at, saints. We're at that period of time which is called grace, dispensation of grace. It's that period of time where Jesus is giving man an opportunity to be saved. Grace is equivalent to the church. As long as we're in the dispensation of grace, the church is here on the earth. Now, grace started at Calvary. Remember when Jesus died, the scripture says that the veil in the temple was rent. And what was that symbolic of? That we no longer had to go to a priest on the day of atonement to discuss what we have been going through and ask for forgiveness. We have direct access to Jesus now. That's where Jesus tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. This is our direct access to Jesus. Well, that is when this period called church started. And the period called church is going to end when the tribulation period starts. That's why that, that girl is, you know, she's terrified. But because she's realizing now church is done. No more church. Now you've got to deal with the tribulation period. And that's really all of those horrible things that you read about from Revelation chapter number four all the way down to about 19. That's really from four to 19 is really covering only about seven years. You have three and a half that are going to be bad and three and a half that are going to be worse. And this is what you um, hear about. Sometimes Jesus is talking about when he says he that endured to the end, the same shall be saved. Well, that's not he's not saying that during the period called church. He's saying that during the period called tribulation. Now, is that true? Uh, is that principle applicable? Yes. But if you want to correctly interpret why Jesus said that, why did he say that? He did not say that with the church in mind. He said that for the people that would have to spend uh, time during the tribulation period because he knew what type of wrath was going to be poured out during that time. The tribulation period is not going to be a time of salvation. You know how people say, well, I'm just going to get saved during the tribulation period. You're not understanding what the tribulation period is. You're trying to comprehend the tribulation period like the, the period of grace is. Grace is a time of salvation. The tribulation period is not a time of salvation. It is a time of Jesus' wrath. It's a time of Jesus' judgment. And Jesus said, unless I shorten the time, there will be no life on the earth. Now, do you want to be living during a time like that? You having a hard time coming to church and calling Jesus now? What makes you think you're going to be able to do it during the tribulation period? 
You're having a hard time living right now. What makes you think you're going to be able to do it during the tribulation period? So I want to pull out um, some things concerning the rapture that we have to get into our mind. Uh, let's just read uh, a portion of what it says there. Just uh, highlight it. Now, if you want to know what the verses say from 26 to 51 in Matthew, you definitely can. But I just pulled out the parts to help you to understand the concept of when will the rapture take place. Now, this is what Jesus says concerning what he's giving us knowledge of. What does he say? That day and hour... Only one that knows the day and time is Jesus himself. So I don't care how spiritual you think you are. I don't care how much you fast, how much you pray. Jesus said you will never know the day nor the hour when he's going to show up. So if the enemy put that little thought in you, you say, you know, I've been fasting so much. The Lord just told me, you know, that he's not going to stay. You, you don't know the day. Because <laughs> no, that's what the word says. The word says that. Verse 24, he says it again. Verse 44. So, okay. So I already got it fixed in my mind. No one can tell you when the rapture is going to take place. Only thing I can say with confidence is that there will be a rapture. But the when, the time, it's always going to be a question mark. It's always going to be the unknown, okay? Now, what can we look for? There are signs, right? There are signs to let us know. Before, they had what is called calendars. And they had what is called, uh, this is when autumn is going to be. And this is when winter is going to be. This is when summer is going to be. They had to completely depend on nature. And when they saw shifts and changes in nature, they knew that time was changing. Uh, the, 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 those that planted, they said, oh, no, no, no. Well, daddy, it's hot outside. It's a good day to put some stuff in the dirt. No, 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 no. Time is not ready yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, it's not ready yet. You say, well, how do you know? They've been doing this a long time. Yeah. Remember, his daddy taught him and his daddy taught him. So you just got to pay attention. But if you go and say, oh, no, I know what I'm doing and put that thing in the dirt too soon, you're going to wonder. Ain't nothing going to come up from it. Nothing's going to come up from it. All right. So, so, so as saints, we look for changes in the air. And when I'm talking about the air, I'm talking about the tone of humanity. This is why we can say, I had a, my aunt would say this all the time. And for years, I never understood why she would say that. She said, child, we living doing the toenails of time. And I don't think she knew what she was saying. The toenails of time. But she didn't and it made reference to Daniel's vision. You know Daniel's vision of the statue? She said, we're living in the toenails of time. And what does that mean? We're living in the last time. You know, once you get down to the toenails, there's no more body left. That's it. So we, we are really living. If you look at what's going on, we're living during the toenails of time. All right? But let's look at what Thessalonians says concerning what is revealed to us first. Uh huh. All right. Next one. Now that's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is there that kind of holds Satan back. The church is in the earth. So if this podium represented Satan, and this is the world, as long as the church is here. The church puts boundaries on what Satan is permitted to do. And a lot of times what the enemy tries to make the church feel like that she has no strength. But really, she has lots of strength. Because scripture done told you greater is he that is what? It. The church has lots of strength. 
And you can't look for strength in numbers. Don't look for strength in numbers. Remember, it didn't take the Lord a whole lot of people to change the whole environment of the world. In Noah's day, it was only eight. And in Noah's day, he changed the whole environment of the whole entire world. And when, the Lord, when Noah's ark was completed, what did Jesus say to Noah? Everything is finished. Noah, get you and your family into the ark. Well, what was that symbolic of? It, the, 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 the thing that held back the wrath was removed. And when the thing that held back the wrath was removed, when Jesus shut that door, the wrath of God was poured out on the earth. So it's the same principle. Only he who now letteth will let until he be what? Now that's the rapture. When the Lord takes the church out of the earth, then that wicked shall be what? So you can say, you don't let the enemy put in your mind, oh, Donald Trump is the embodiment of Satan. No. Don't, do, don't let the enemy put that in your mind. Because you, you, you all you are seeing is that Satan is freely moving. And those that are in figures of authority, the figures of authority. But you, what we really are looking for is not for him just to move in government just here. You want to be able to see that spirit being freely moved in all forms of government. Not just in the United States, but across the whole wide world. I'll say that again. You just don't want to see that spirit freely moving where you live at. You want to be able to see that spirit having access and influence in governments all around the world. And when you see that, that is your sign to let you know that son of perdition is being, he, he's feeling freedom. Freedom that he did not feel before. And what does that let us know about the church? Church is about to do what? All right? Okay, good. So that's what this whole uh, screen is. Now here in Revelation chapter number 2 and chapter number 3, this is where John is told, um, he gives us the breakdown of the book of Revelations. He said, write the things that were which are and are to come. Future. Well, the first part, he writes the things that were. He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus not just dying, but Jesus coming back uh, from the grave. And this is when John, he saw Jesus. He fell at his feet as though he were dead. And Jesus reaches down to touch John and says, I am he that liveth. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. I've got the keys to both what? Hell and death. And not only that, he saw Jesus standing in the midst of the church. Those golden candlesticks. He saw Jesus standing in the midst of the church. He also saw Jesus holding his, the church's messengers, the preachers, the angels of the church. John saw Jesus having them in his hand. And then John said, is told to write the things that are. And immediately John begins to write to the seven churches that are in Asia Minor. But when you really look at those seven churches, even though they may be actual churches, we come to see that those seven churches actually represent periods of time. They actually represent periods of time. And if we are in the toenails of time, we are really doing that period or stage which is described in Revelation chapter number three as the Laodicean stage. The stage where he says that the people concerning faith are neither hot nor cold, but they've created this lukewarm state. And Jesus explains this to Paul concerning the perilous times that we live in. He said they will have a form of godliness, but they will have what? No power. All right. But Jesus gives a remedy for all stages is going to be the same. He says to do what? Repent. Meaning change your ways. Come back to Jesus and do that with great zeal. But then if you go over to Revelation chapter number four, 
Revelation chapter number 4 and 1, you see where the church period has ended and the rapture is about to take place. John uses the key word concerning time there when he uses Revelation chapter number 4, 4 and verse number 1. He says what? After. Meaning after that period called church, what was going to happen? After this, he says, I looked. And behold, if you look up at those skylights, that's somewhat similar to what John, John was noticing that the ceiling was kind of closed concerning the heavens before. Now, if you can imagine the church not having these skylights there, all of a sudden, John said he looked and there was a what? A door that was open. And if you look up towards the sky, you can see that the skylight is different from the ceiling tiles. Everybody see that? Ceiling tiles there, skylight there. And John's attention was focused on the door that was opened up in heaven. He says, after this, I looked and the door was opened up in heaven. Right? And what does the next part say? The first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet. Yes. Yes. And it says, come out So what did Jesus say to rapture John? Everybody caught that? What did Jesus say to rapture John? So what are we looking for Jesus to say when he raptures us? Right? That's it. That's it. Bishop used to always say church. He'd be excited about that. He would say, yo, he would say, he gonna say church. <laughs> but that's the, in essence what he's saying. Come up hither. And what does the next part of that verse say? And I will show, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And the next one says, there goes uh, First Corinthians, where it says in the moment and the what? See, here it is right here where you say the immediate. Bishop used to always explain the, the twinkling of an eye is faster than the blinking. In other words, you won't even be able to say Jesus. The saints won't even be able to say Jesus before the change takes place. The change is going to happen just that fast, meaning you already have to be where you're supposed to be before the change takes place. It's not the change, the period of change is not a period of preparation. You already have to be ready when the change takes place. <laughs> Uh, that makes sense, right? All right. All right. So next, next page. Time, time, time. All right. And this is a, I'm not going to be on this one very long because it's not a lesson concerning the nature of man. But this is a, be a good lesson to think about as well so that you can dynamically understand who you are. You are this. This is what you are in right now. It's called a what? A body. Now, Bishop used to always say this, and this is true. You see my body, the house that I live in. What you do not see is my what? My soul is in my body. When a person dies, this is why I say you don't go and kiss and be holding on to dead bodies. Because the part that you knew has left. My wife gets mad at me because I tell her when she said, "Now nah. I said, baby, when I die, just put me in a box. Don't spend a whole lot of money. Just put me in a box and just move on. Don't have no elaborate drawn out, whatever. Just put me in a box and if you're going to do anything, praise the Lord for a soul that has gone back with Jesus. Uh, but don't do, don't spend money on this because this is going back to the dirt. The part that you knew that you loved, right? Huh? It's the truth. The part that you knew and loved stepped out of that. And you got to get it fixed in your mind that that is not who you fell in love with. That's true love. That's a whole other lesson. True love doesn't fall in love with a body. True love. Because if you really love somebody, you know bodies change. Huh? They break down. They get wrinkled. Huh? 
huh? But when you really love somebody, they physically might not be able to do anything. But just being in that presence brings completion to you. Right? Like I said, that's a whole nother lesson. And in, in my mind, I can have a whole nother discussion about that. But I won't do that because of time. And we have to stay on the rapture. But don't fall in love with this. Don't fall in love with this. Realize when Jesus saved you, he didn't save this. He came to save that, which is your soul, which is the real you. My time, I got 15 minutes. All right. Thank you so much. I like that. All right, so to help you to better understand dynamically who you are, you can see just how things get into your soul. These are like called the gateways, um, hands, your, your, your senses, and how they affect you, all right? This is a, a chart that was done by Clarence Larkin years ago. Bishop used to use this sometimes, um, so it may look familiar to you, but that'll better help you to understand the dynamics of man. All right, next page. All right. So what do you see here? You see my physical body. All right. And let's just read uh, first the, the, the cloud in 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. It says, for we know that if our earthly house. Does everybody get that in your mind? Just like you got this body, there's another body waiting for you. And this is Bishop's famous, anybody paid attention to, and people, especially you all don't really understand how difficult it was to do, deal with the podcast because sometimes Bishop would not say what his sermon topic was. And he would just start preaching. And, but then... As Jesus began to take over his message, it was as though the Lord was always consistently reminding us of a couple of things. Consistently about salvation, how to be saved, born of water, born of the spirit. Consistently admonishing us that Jesus Christ is God. Consistently. But then he would always talk about our hope. And he would drive St. John 14, 1 and 3 so hard to get it in our minds. Because if you let the devil draw you away from Jesus, that's when that sense of trouble starts to build up in your mind. And he would always say, saints, don't let your heart be troubled. If you believe in Jesus, believe in him. Don't back up from him. No matter how hard things get, no matter what life takes you, keep on believing in Jesus. You are going to change. Your body is going to change. Your circumstances are going to change. Your situations are going to change. Your family dynamics are going to change. But don't let change take you away from Jesus. Don't let your heart be trouble. Keep on believing in Jesus. Jesus says, I go away to prepare a place for you. You see, is that what that says? In my father's house? Huh? Don't think that that Lamb's book of life is some small little diary. It's saints. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You remember at the day of Pentecost, there was over 2,000 people. Now you're talking years. People have been going into that Lamb's book of life. For years. So when you talk about the praise that is going to be in heaven, don't think it's going to be like us. You're going to have saints all down through the years. And all of us are going to be able to talk about how Jesus kept us. Can you imagine saints enduring during Hitler's time? You, you imagine a saint getting that Bible pulled from them 
and it hit a burn in that Bible. But thank, thank the Lord they can remember the word down inside that soul. Can you imagine the testimony from a saint like that? During my time, I had a man that burnt the Bible. But Jesus put the word down inside my soul. I'm mean, You see, we only testify about the things we go through. But you, what's that? Go ahead. Yes. 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 Everybody's noisy, all of it. Everybody's got something to say that's going to be different. Your song is going to be different. My song is going to be different. His song is going to be different. And when we all say it at the same time, it's going to sound like noise. Yep. Praise. Yep. And it, it, beautiful thing, it'll all climax at the same speech. What the bishop used to always say, what was universal? It's all going to climb it. You ever remember them different languages? Everybody just talking. Somebody going to be talking in Spanish. Somebody going to be talking in French. Somebody going to be talking in Swahili about the goodness of Jesus. But it's going to all climax at what? Everybody understand that? It's all going to climax at hallelujah. All right? I got to keep moving. So that's your body. These are the attributes of the body. Okay? Next page. All right. So when you talk about Jesus saying you're being raptured, I want you to understand what is happening. You're getting off of the earth. And you're not going to the clouds. When y'all go outside today, just look up at those clouds. You're going way beyond there. Way beyond any satellite. Huh? Sister Re Minister Reynolds, they're limits, aren't they? NASA's trying so hard, trying so hard to see where Jesus lives. Huh? And it just ain't going to happen. It's just going to happen. They think they're going straight. The Lord done turned them right. <laughs> Turn them left. They don't know where they're going because this second heaven is so vast. But I want you to understand it does have boundaries. It has limits. Because when you get out the second heaven, you will be where the third heaven is. And the only thing we had to describe that is the word of God. No man has seen that and been permitted to write but a very small portion of what it looked like. John wrote about it. He said when he saw it, he said it was like Jasper. Was it Jasper? No. He said it was like it. When he looked at Jasper, the only thing that he could comprehend and correlate it with was what he saw looked like Jasper. And if you look at a real good stone like that, you notice when light hits it, it bounces it all over the place. So you can imagine when you see the presence of the Lord, it's going to take your whole mind. Jesus. So all we have is the word. Paul wasn't even permitted to write about it. Because when Paul said, I knew a man, and he described what that man said, he said, it's not for me to say. It's not for me to say. But all I can say is that he was in the presence of the Lord. So as we see paradise move from the lower parts of the earth to actually being where Jesus is, all right? Paradise moved from the lower parts of the earth to actually being where Jesus is. So when a person physically dies, this is what Paul was trying to encourage the saint, is that to be absent from the body, physical body, is to be present where Jesus is. And in the rapture, it is described that Jesus will bring them back with him and stop at the first heaven. Says he will come back on a cloud right there. Not every eye is going to see him. It's not coming back to the earth. He's only coming there with the voice of an archangel. And the dead, those that were with him, will come back to the earth get their bodies and come up out of the grave 
and those that are walking on the earth shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and we're going to be caught up together with them. And when we get to Jesus, Jesus is not going to stay here. He's taking us all the way back to where he is in the third heaven. And while we are up there is what you call the judgment seat of Christ, the crowning, the feast, the celebration. But all while we're doing that, down here will be the tribulation period. And the tribulation period will end when Jesus brings us back with him to destroy all of that stuff Satan sets up. He's going to bound Satan for a period of time. And then Jesus says, I'm going to actually rule on the earth, which is called the period of the millennium, the thousand years of righteousness. And then after that thousand years of righteousness, Jesus says, I'm going to leave for a very short time and I'm going to release Satan again. And Satan is going to cause all kind of mess and this is what you read in Revelation chapter number 19 where Jesus comes back on the white horse and who is on the white horse not just Jesus but also the saints gonna come down gonna beat Satan destroy Satan destroy all of the world he's not gonna do it with the sword not going to do it with guns. He said he's going to cause the heavens. To, scripture says it's going to change into uh, uh, elements of heat. And fire is going to rain down and burn up this whole wide world. And the scripture says after that, they're going to look. The saints are going to look and see Jesus is going to bring down a new heaven and a new earth. Wherein dwelleth what? Righteousness. Okay? All right. Next page. All right. These are just some key words that I wanted you to look at. I already talked about that. Just some things that you want to pull out in the red. What does it say? In Acts 1 and 9, what does it say in red? Everybody didn't see Jesus leave the earth. Only those that were there saw Jesus. All right. Now, what do we hear? See in red. What is Jesus going to say? Is everybody understand that? I'm, I'm sure that's what the word says. Jesus is only going to say what, and what will happen immediately. You're going to be changed, and that's what Corinthians says is what the twinkling of what. All right. Next page. I'm so sorry. So this is what we were talking about, why we have to make sure we are justified. Why we have to make sure that we're justified? Because we're going to stand before what kind of a judge? Who is going to judge the world by what? By righteousness. Everyone will be judged. The resurrection does not exclude anybody. One Daniel says some good, some bad. Some to eternal joy, some to everlasting contempt, all right? So everybody will be included in this judgment. This is why we have to be justified or declared righteous based on our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. How we do this? When we say that we want to be associated with Jesus' death, this is what water baptism is. Water baptism means you're going down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ to be associated with what Jesus did on Calvary. Jesus died on the cross for sin. Therefore, we have to go down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ to be associated with his death. We are buried with him by baptism. We have to have the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is our mark of identity. It is our seal. Jesus says, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. I know who belongs to me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. That's the purpose of justification. Next slide. What is going to happen here? You have to be in the Lamb's book of life. Really quick, read off the bullets. Who's in the book? 
You know, if you haven't done any of that, you're not in this book. Okay, you say, well, Elder Scudder, where am I going? Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness will have you to believe if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, and when you die, you're going to go into a place of non-existence. You're just going to be floating in space. You're not going to know what it's like to see the lamb laying down with the lion. You're not going to see your mom and your daddy happy. I, I said, well, if that's all it's going to take for me to be, be a Jehovah's Witness, if I'm just going to be in a state of non-existence, that works for me. But if you tell me I'm going to be in torment, Day and night, forever and ever? <laughs> they would have you to believe that hell is here on earth right now. All right, well, let's go. If you're not in the book, what does Matthew 7, 13, 14 say? Enter ye in at the straight gate. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to what? If you're not in the book, you are in the books. Huh? There is a book with your name on it. Huh? Let's see what the books look like. One book is for the who? Another 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 book is for the who? 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 Whoever's name is not found written in the book shall be cast into the lake of fire which burneth with what? Fire and brimstone. This is the second death. All right? Trust that you got something out the word, saints. Hide the word in your heart that you may not sin against Jesus.